Take your Bibles, take your Bibles. Take your Bibles, please. Take your Bibles. You can have a seat, you can have a seat. Take your Bibles, please take your Bibles. First Kings, First Kings. Take your Bibles, turn to First Kings chapter 11. First Kings chapter 11, please turn there. First Kings chapter 11, that's where we'll start. I, uh, I count it an honor to be up here. I, I know I don't deserve it. I think God knows more than anybody. Um, I, I want to be used today. Um, I want, you know, maybe, maybe my words can... Um, remind you of some things, but I hope the Holy Spirit resonates. I hope that he uh, allows something I say to really help. I know this truth, this passage of scripture that we're going to look at has helped me and is continuing to help me. And it's something that you and I will never accomplish, and I'll talk about it in a second. Something that you and I will never attain is perfection. Uh, We're always a work in progress, and thankfully we have a God who's faithful. We have a God who works with us. 1 Kings chapter 11. You turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. I said it like eight times, but you guys... It's all good. It's all good. I look at I look at it across the crowd, and everybody's like, "What, what passage? What passage?" It's all good. It's all good. Here it is. First Kings chapter eleven. Would you look at verse twenty nine through thirty three? I'm going to read it. I just want you to follow along, and we'll turn to another passage in a second. First Kings chapter eleven. Look at verse twenty nine. <clears throat> and it came to pass at the time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that a prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way. And he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it into twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend thee a kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and I will give thee ten tribes to thee. Verse 32, But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for the Jerusalem's sake, and the city which I have chosen out of the tribes of Israel. Because that thou hast forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the, uh, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, Milcom, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as David his father. You turn the page and go to 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14, you're in chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 7 through 11, and I, I would ask you guys to follow along in sobriety and maturity. The king, he, um, the king or the past description in verse 14 is the same man, Ahijah, talking to Jeroboam's wife in this passage about uh, Jeroboam's bitter end. I want you to look, follow along again uh, with sobriety and some maturity. Verse 7 says, Go tell Jeroboam, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, For as much as I exalted thee from among the people and made thee prince over my people, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it thee. And yet thou hast been as my servant, thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all his heart, to do that only which was right in mine eyes. But thou hast done evil above all that were before thee, for thou hast gone and made the other gods molten images to provoke me to anger, and hast cast me behind thy back. Verse 10, therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off Jeroboam, him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as a man taketh away dung till it it be all gone. Verse 11, him that dieth of Jeroboam in the city shall the dogs eat and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat for the Lord has spoken. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. 
God, again, I, I pray that you would do a great work. I pray that you would allow some of these truths to, to come out in our lives and that we would look inwardly. The word of God is for our, our admonition, for examples. Lord, it's principles that we can follow. I pray that we would take these examples of, of failures and successes, and I pray that it would be a success on our end, that we would learn. And Lord, I pray your spirit would do a work. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses leading up to this passage, I'm going to read uh, kind of a parallel stories. Verses leading up to this passage is a man, uh, it's a story about a king, Solomon, who the Bible says was given an understanding heart to lead. He followed the Lord wholly, and the Bible says he saw himself as but a child in humility. Solomon honored God and walked in the statutes of his father. God used Solomon as the wisest man. He built a temple, a mighty kingdom, and we know that the half had not been told. But Solomon's heart was turned away and was not perfect toward the Lord, and he did evil in the sight of God in worshiping other gods. So God chose another to be king over Israel. His name was Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor and industrious, the Bible says. Jeroboam was given a place in the kingdom to work, and Jeroboam was chosen by God to reign as king. Solomon later seeks to kill him, so Jeroboam flees. And after the death of Solomon, he takes his place as, as God-given place as king. that sound familiar? Here's another story. The Bible says uh, there's a story about a king named Saul. The Bible says he was given a new heart to lead. He followed the Lord. The Bible says he was a choice young man, and he saw himself as little in his sight in humility. Saul obeyed God and honored him. God used Saul as the first king and established Israel and won many battles. But Saul's heart was turned away. It was not perfect toward the Lord. Saul did evil in the sight of God and rebelled against the commandments of the Lord. So God chose another to be king over Israel, David. David was a mighty man of valor and skillful with his hands, the Bible says. David was given a place in the kingdom to work. David was chosen by God to reign as king. Saul later seeks to kill him, so David flees. And after the death of Saul, he takes his God-given place as king. You know, as I study these two passages of scripture and, and these two stories, man, how similar. It made me think about the Lincoln and Kennedy comparison. Everybody ever, anybody ever heard of that? I'll go ahead and read a couple just for the, the humor of it. Lincoln was elected president in 1860. Kennedy was elected president in 1960, exactly 100 years apart. Both had the legality of their, election, of their election contested. Both presidents were assassinated on a Friday and both in the presence of their wives. Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy, who warned him not to go to the theater. Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln, who warned him not to go to Dallas. Both of their successors were named Johnson, Andrew Johnson and Lyndon B. Johnson. One Johnson was born in 1808, the other was born in 1908, exactly 100 years apart. Booth shot Lincoln in a theater and hid in a warehouse. Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and hid in a theater. Booth and Oswald were both murdered before a trial could be arranged. Booth and Oswald were both exactly 100 years apart in age. Talk about similarities. Although similar, uh, any further study of Jeroboam in comparison to David is a night and day difference. There's not a whole lot there. In a room about 400 plus in here, and we have some similarities. Some of us grew up in, in good homes, and some of us from the same church, some of us from the same high school. A lot of our parents were deacons, pastors. Some of us are bus kids, and you can, you can uh, relate to each other. But with all the, the similarities, 
your story and, and what it will tell in the future is, is very different. Many of us grow up in a Christian home and others in an unsaved home, and you can fill in the blank of all in between, maybe Christian by name, sadly, but it wasn't, it wasn't Christ-honoring. Others may be an unsaved home, but you could say, oh, they didn't know the Lord, but it was a good home. Many of us have, have been saved earlier in life and others saved later. There's a difference. Many of us have two parents. Others have single parents because of divorce or, or death. But I think about as I look across this crowd and I look inwardly, and by the grace of God and good people in our lives, we're here today. You're given a life. I'm given a life, and James chapter 4 talks about that life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The conclusion of the chapter is, is this verse, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Hey, I think if Jeroboam were here today, reading his end, reading how opposite it was from, from David, how great David's legacy is. Yes, there were hiccups. Yes, there were problems. But it's not the same. Yes, there are similarities, but it's not the same end. And I think if Jeroboam were here today, I think he would make statements like, God, this isn't what I wanted. God, this wasn't in the plan. It, it wasn't how I saw life happening. But something I think he would have to conclude, and I think all of us need to realize, he's going to conclude with saying, God, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. One day you and I will answer to our God. Let's put him in his rightful place. He is our creator. He is our king. And I know that's not foreign to us. That's not foreign to me, but how often we don't think about it. We're going to answer to God one day. You're not going to be able to say, oh, God, it's because, or uh, I, I have an excuse because this happened, or, oh, this is my upbringing, or, hey, that, that person grew up with me, and we should be similar. No, there's, nothing, there's none of that. The reality is we're going to answer to God. We're going to have an answer, not an excuse. When I look at the life of Jeroboam, I want us to see why. Why you and I are without excuse. Why are you and I are without excuse with how our life turns out, with who you become? I want you to think about uh, why you and I are without excuse about our sin, our problems. Why you and I are without excuse on our, our end date, our effectiveness in the ministry. Number one, turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. I want you to look at verse 37, 38. Number one, I see a conditional blessing and promise. A conditional blessing and promise. Look at verse, uh, chapter 11. We're looking at verse 37, 38. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shall be king over Israel. And it shall be if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did. That, or you can say, then I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel unto thee. I see a conditional promise, a, a, a conditional um, blessing. He says, hey, if, if you do this, then I will. You know, this isn't, this isn't if, and uh, I, I, I do fill in the blank to, to obtain favor and love by God. No, that's already given to you. This is I do fill in the blank, because I am loved and I'm favored and I'm accepted by God. And then the byproduct of that is, man, I, I live a blessed life. It's a good life. But there are conditions that come with that. 
I look at Leviticus chapter 26. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, I'll give you rain. I will give you safety. I will give you peace. I will make you fruitful. I will walk among you. 2 Corinthians chapter 16, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Isaiah chapter 26, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Matthew chapter seven, if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened. Matthew chapter 24, be faithful in little things and God will make you rule over much. James chapter one, if any man lack wisdom, asking God in faith, he will give liberally and abradeth not. Think about the principles and wisdom of Proverbs. Think about how you trust in the Lord and acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When wisdom entereth into thy heart and knowledge is pleasant to thy soul, then you'll see that discretion shall preserve thee. These are the conditions of a blessed life. These are the conditions of the promises of God. That's for us. When I look at Jeroboam, look at verse 38 again. It says, hey, if you hearken unto me, if you walk in my ways and do what is right and keep my commandments, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house. I will give Israel unto thee. In life, I think we all want what's best. I think we all look at decisions and we calculate and we try to figure out, man, if I make this decision, what will happen? best as we can humanly possible. Try to connive and think, okay, man, if I make this decision, this is going to happen. I'm sorry to use this illustration. I've used it this year in classes, but I think it just, it hammers home the truth. How many know of the cup game? Okay, there's three cups. You have a prize underneath one. You begin to move, maneuver around, and you're following which one has the prize, and at the end of it, you decide which one you're going to choose, and if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I remember watching a father and son do this. The dad goes and he grabs a $5 bill, excuse me, and he puts the $5 bill underneath the middle cup. He begins to move it around. The son's watching intently. I think he was maybe sixth, seventh grade. He's watching intently. And after a few seconds, he stops maneuvering and he says, all right, bud, you know, go ahead and choose. The son chooses and he lifts up the cup and there the $5 bill is. And then he grabs it. He grabs it so fast and the dad begins to act disappointed. Then after a few seconds, he lifts up the other two cups, and there's wads of 20s and 50s. And if he just made a mistake, and he, he would have he made out better. Now, I was thinking about doing that in chapel today, but I'm broke, so, <laughs> you know. So this is what we got. Hey, but when I think about this, if I can put it in the analogy of with God, he's not deceitful. Man, he, he removes all the cups. He says, look it. Look at the life I want to give you. If, if, can we hold up our end of the bargain in that? If you do this, then I will do this. Hey, this goes in a, in a positive and an encouraging way, but it also goes in a discouraging, a digression, a negative way. Hey, if you do what's right, you will be blessed. If you do what's wrong, you will not be blessed. That is how it goes. That is the conditions of God. And we, sometimes we have an issue with that for some reason. The creator of the universe, God, you can't have conditions with me. No, he can't. There are conditions. He removes all the cups. He says, choose. He doesn't tell you what your day is going to be like tomorrow. Why would we need faith? Why would we need dependence on him if he told you exactly what's going to happen? No, he gives you principles. He gives me precepts. He gives you examples. And all we have to do, the choice is still ours. He just opens it all up for us. He says, go ahead and choose. 
This isn't leaving you with five bucks and, and leaving you broke afterwards. No, he wants you to have an abundant life. He wants to bless you. He says, if, 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 why don't we hold up our end? He wants to. It's a conditional blessing. Next, I see a contrary action. Look at 1 Kings chapter 12. You have a conditional blessing and promise. You see a contrary action. 1 Kings chapter 12, look at verse 26. I, um, I'm going to ask you guys to read this. I want you guys to get this point, and I, something I need to get. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 26. Ready, begin. Um, keep going, I'm sorry, to verse 31. Then shall the heart of his people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me, and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> we'll stop there. I see a contrary action. Remember, God gave in a conditional promise, and he says, you know, if you do this, then, or that, I will be with thee, and I, I'll give you Israel, and I, I will hearken unto you, and I, I will be there. I see a, a contrary action. He does the exact opposite. He fears he's going to lose his kingdom, so he, he creates two caps, and he says, these are the gods that delivered you from Israel. As I, as I look at the story, it kind of drives me crazy. It's, it's mind-boggling. I say, Jeroboam, you know, you saw the ruin of Solomon. No doubt you saw his, his vanity and vexation of spirit. The, the spirit of the Lord wasn't, wasn't enjoyed in him. He was, he was distraught. He was empty. Hey, you're, Jeroboam, you're the main player in this division of a kingdom. And you were told why this is happening. Because you turned your, your back on God. Hey, hey, Jeroboam, when I think about you heard the conditional blessing and promises of God. It was told to you. And, I, and, and the phrase that echoes in my mind, and, and as I studied and as I look at the life of Jeroboam, I say, hey, yeah, you know better. You know better. But as I look inwardly, don't I know better? Hey, we like, to, we like to separate this reality that is the Bible, the truths of the Bible, from, oh, that's old times or that's fairy tale. No, this is real life. We live in a real life where we're given choices, and God says, if you do this, I will bless you. But he says, if you do the exact opposite, hey, it's not going to be well with you. And I look at Jeroboam and I say, you know better. You know better. Our struggle, James chapter 4, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Hey, we know the right and the wrong. We know the word of God. We know, we know, we know, we know. What are we doing? What are we doing? Are we doing something contrary to the word of God? Are we doing something contrary to what the Bible says and the truths and the upbringing you've been brought up in and I've been brought up in for many of us in Christian homes and godly homes and we want out. I want something different. Are we doing something contrary? In honor of Valentine's Day yesterday, I remember dating my wife and uh, that's a good thing to remember. <laughs> but uh, I remember dating my wife and I was asked as we were engaged, hey Preston, I want you to write out 35 ways you can show Ruby you love her. So I began to write. 
I can give of my time. I can plan dates. I can be sensitive to her feelings. I can tell her I love her. I can write notes. I can provide for her. I can give her words of affirmation. I can pray for her. I can come home with dinner sometimes. I can provide uh, time for herself, and that's important when you have kids, okay? <laughs> Giving her time for herself. I can be spiritual. I can send texts throughout my day. That's a pretty good list. Guys, if you didn't get anything, write that down, all right? No, it's a pretty good list. You know, that list does no good for me if it just stays on my phone. That list does no good for me if I never put any action to any of those things. You know when it really doesn't do good for me? When I do the opposite of that. And when I don't give her time. I'm not going to go in, but when I do the opposite. Hey, the same is true with the word of God. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hey, a contrary action. Hey, guys, we know. We know. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I can't say it enough because I'm in the same boat as you. We know. Hey, we know the way of the transgressor's heart. Hey, we know the, the stories of broken lives both personally and biblically. Hey, we know there is no true love, joy, peace apart from a life from God. Hey, we know the dangers of immorality. We have examples in this day and age. We have examples from the word of God of Samson, of Solomon. We see, we see issues with, with even David. Hey, we know the dangers. You know what to do. You know what not to do. But what are we doing? What am I doing? Yet so often we live a life contrary to God and we have an attitude of Saul and we say, hey, God, I know I have sinned, but honor me now. God, I know I'm wrong. I know there's certain struggles. I know what is right. I know what is wrong. I'm going to make my action, but honor me now. We, we, we plead for the unconditional promises and attributes of God that solely rest on him. Hey, God is love. God is merciful. He is gracious. Hey, but he's right. He's just. That doesn't change. And when we know what is right, and we don't do what is right. God doesn't sit idly by waiting to bless you. He doesn't sit idly by waiting to bless me. You know, I, I think in a couple ways, we've grown accustomed to happily ever after. Happily ever after, roll the credits, touching song to close. Hey, that doesn't happen living like a fool. That doesn't happen when you know to do good and you do it not. It doesn't happen. There are many examples, many truths in the word of God. God says, I, I, I kind of want to remove all the cups for you because I really want you to make it. And if you do this, then I will. But the choice is still yours. You still make the action, whether contrary or in line with God. Next, I see a continual warning. For sake of time, I'm just going to read through a couple examples of how I believe God warned Jeroboam. Verses in 1 Kings chapter 13, 1 through 7, a man of God prophesies against Jeroboam and his sins, and he had made the, the lowest of men in the highest of places. They weren't good men being priests and prophets. No, they, they, were, they were wicked, and they were the lowest of men. Again, the calves were there, but a man of God comes to Jeroboam, and he says, you know, you need to, you know, this isn't right. And I think in the, in the continual warning, I think in this passage of Scripture, he reaches forward to lay hold on the man of God, and his hand, the Bible says, dries up. And he can't pull it back in. Jeroboam says, oh, oh, man of God, you know, go to God on behalf of me and heal me. And he does. He's healed. In that same chapter, the same man of God that prophesied against Jeroboam 
disobeyed himself. He's, uh, after his disobedience, he's riding on his donkey, and he's in the street, and a lion meets him in the way and kills him, devours him. And there his carcass is on the side of the road, but next to his carcass is a donkey and a lion. You'd think he would go for the donkey. No. There's an example there. And in, first, in verse 32 of chapter 13, he says, for, for the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord, and this is talking about the man of God, against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. After this thing, verse 33, after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. Another passage of scripture is one we touched on. Jeroboam's son is sick and he sends his wife disguised to go in. He's not on good terms with the man of God. Sends his wife to go in disguise. God comes to Ahijah, and he says, hey, listen, Jeroboam's wife's going to come, and she's going to ask you to heal her, her son and Jeroboam's son. But it comes full circle, and it's not a healing. It is this, what passage we read in chapter 14, where he says, time's up, Jeroboam. He says, uh, your remnant's going to be cut down. He says, there will be no more. Him that dieth in the city, dogs will eat. Him that dieth in the field, fowls of the air will eat. God will smite Israel. He'll remove it from the land that was promised. We have a conditional promise. We have a contrary action. We have a continual warning. And as I look at the life of Jeroboam and, and look inward, please, for yourself, for me, I see such a disregard for God. I see such a disregard for God's promise. Romans 3 said, let God be true and every man a liar. I see such a disregard for authority. Hey, he had a ruling. He was the king of Israel. God calls Israel his inheritance. Hey, that's just not, just not, that's not just a gift. That's like saying, you know, take care of my TV while I'm gone versus taking care of my daughter, okay? There's a big difference. That's how God saw his children. That's how God saw it. It was in his inheritance. And Jeroboam, I believe, had such a disregard for it. And he gambled with everything he was given. How long will we gamble with God? What are, what are you willing to give up? I said this in class, sin and temptation is not just wanting what you don't have. It's being, it's being willing to trade what you do, what you could have. Hey, Adam and Eve, you traded unhindered fellowship with God, a perfect garden. To be like God and knowing good and evil, was it worth it? Hey, Achan, you, you got the first fruits of Jericho and the, the, the benefits there. But you lost and you saw your family being stoned to death, your remnant cut off, your cattle destroyed. Hey, Achan, was it worth it? Hey, David, you had your sin with Bathsheba, but your, your son would die and your hands are now bloody and you can't build the temple. And your sin that was done in private is now expounded in public with Absalom. Was it worth it? Hey, Preston, is it worth it? With God's continual warning and my contrary action, can you continue so long? How long will we gamble with God? How long will we wait to get right? I want to be careful with saying this. Galatians chapter 6 says, uh, it says, Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest thou be tempted. How long till the proverbial bomb will go off in your life? In my life. We all know what I'm talking about. Where you sit, I 
like, man, what happened? What happened? They were right in this room with me. Hey, that was my youth pastor. Hey, David was a king. Jeroboam, what happened? What about the life that you could have had? It's very similar with David. I'll end with how good God is in it all, but very similar. What happened? And I think in, in, in the, the, the private of our heart and individually, for some reason, I think it's a lie of Satan. You and I feel like we're the exception. Oh, it won't happen to me. I can, I can gamble with God a little bit more. Oh, that's not that bad. And I'm not preaching to you. This is something that convicted me and something I'm gonna, I struggle with and I'm going to continue to. But how long will we gamble with God? How long will we go on this road? How long till that proverbial bomb goes off in our life? Hey, the Bible says sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. That's not different from person to person. That's the same. The Bible says that sin will defile the conscience. It will, it will destroy the will. It destroys our testimony. It shames the name of Christ. And that doesn't change from person to person. Just as sure as the conditional promises for our benefit is the demise of a man and woman who lives a life contrary to the word of God and rejects the warning of a patient and loving God. Number four is a common thread. A common thread. I don't have a passage of scripture to go to it because it's the whole Bible. Going back to David and looking at his life and the similarities between David and Jeroboam. Man, man, there's some similarities there. But man, what a different end. See, David claimed the conditional blessing and promises of God. Jeroboam didn't. You see, David heeded the warnings of God, his time with the Philistines, numbering the people, his sin with Bathsheba. That's why we have a Psalms 51. There was a difference in, it was a godly sorrow. There was a difference in repentance. Hey, I did a contrary action, but God, I'm wrong. I'm not gonna wait till that, till that, that blows up in my face again. And I'm gonna get right with you right now. Jeroboam didn't. And in this story and all throughout the Bible, even in our struggles, there's a common thread. There's a God who is faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Again, talking about God's unconditional love, mercy, grace. Hey, that's what we plead for. God, give me that. Again, God's not going not gonna to bless the contrary. God is not a respecter of persons. God seeks to show himself strong. God is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering and is patient. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is loving, gracious, merciful, but one who is just and righteous. See, we have a God that promises that conditional blessing. It's not for salvation. That's, that's legalism, okay? It is, I want to do this because I'm loved and accepted. But, but because I'm doing that, man, God blesses me. God's, God's for me. God, God has this conditional blessing. And he has the warnings. You and I, we're going to mess up. The Bible says a just man falls seven times. It rises up again. That's a reality. Man, we should strive not to, but it's a reality. And we will make contrary actions. And I hope, again, I, I, I want to give you a reminder. I want to look inwardly. I hope, I hope you would just get right. 
that in that contrary action, in God's continual warning, in his love, and his patience, he's not slack. He's not just going to let you off the hook. But he is long-suffering, and he is patient. He's for you. He's not a respecter of persons. In many ways, he doesn't care what you've done, where you've been. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Conditional blessing, we see a God who promises that. We see a God who warns, and a God who's faithful, and is that common thread in, in the stories we see in the Bible. You know, as we live in a day and age, and I'm guilty as well, we, uh, we live in a day and age where we justify everything. There's always a reason. Uh, Brother Stallnaker preached a wonderful message on this. Find the greater reason. There's always a reason. And I was thinking, <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't know if I want to give this illustration. I'm trying to think. Ah, I'll give it. I, re- I remember driving, driving home from a, a long trip and talking about justifying yourself. I remember driving home from a long trip, and my friend didn't drive because he kept sleeping. It was, it was late at night. It was like nine hours, and I'm like, man, you got to help me out. But every time he got in the driver's seat, you know, those, those on the side of the road, okay. I would knock out for a second, and I would hear those. I'm like, all right, man, get out. <laughs> You're done. I remember, I remember, I'm like, hey, man, you got to stay awake with me. And he's like, I'm not sleeping. I'm just resting my eyes. And I said, uh, your mouth was open. You're airing out your throat, too? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, uh, there's something there. But, and when we, when, we live, when we live in a generation that justifies everything, that finds a reason, that finds an excuse, Truthfully, we are without one. Because there's a God who, again, gives the conditional promise. It's up to you to make that choice. He says, this is life. Choose. Choose wisely. Hey, if you make a contrary action, I will have that continual warning, but, but don't test it. Don't gamble with God. He is loving. Again, he is not slack. And we see a God all throughout the Bible, and especially in, the, in a similarity between David and and Jeroboam. What a different end. I would hope that you'd want what God wants for your life. I want it for mine. I don't want to be a casualty in this, I can call it a game called life. It's not a game. I don't want to be a casualty. I don't want to be cast away. I don't want to be a Jeroboam. And I don't think any of you in, in, in their right mind would say, yeah, that's me. No. There's a big difference between a David and a Jeroboam. God's promises were the same. There was an action that was different. God's warnings were the same. And God, his promises and him keeping his word is the same. Again, in a day and age where we make excuses, and I'm guilty as well, to find any reason for our failure, truthfully, we are without excuse. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I pray you'd help us. Lord, I I need you in these truths and in these lives. Lord, help us not to think we're the exception. But deal and restore in the spirit of meekness. Lord, I, pre- I pray that you'd protect our college. pray you'd protect our ministry. I pray that we would stay right, holy, as you are holy. God, I pray that you, you would use our lives as you did, David, not perfect, All throughout the Bible, you say, for David's sake. I'm doing this for David. Or we see your promises that are conditional. If 
we only do, you will bless. Lord, we see many truths uh, in the story of Jeroboam, and I pray that we would have it as an example and not be said of us. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.